you heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. Now here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. Well, it got to be a little close for comfort, but a win is a win, and this win is 55.6 seconds away from looking and feeling even better. We'll tell you what we mean about that in just a moment. The number for you to join us tonight on Bucks Talk is 855-616-1620. That's the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old and uh, under the radar. Oh, by the way, triple-double from Giannis, but efficiency was the story of this game in terms of the positives for the Bucks, Giannis efficient from the floor, 11 of 15 on his free throws. Drew Holiday was efficient. Joe Ingles was efficient. Javon Carter with a big game off the bench as Carter and Ingles scored 34 of the 41 bench points in this game for the Bucks. So that was the good news. The nitpick area and the area where you really do need to hammer some things out because not a full game. But moments in yesterday's game where we pointed to offensive glass, the work that the Sixers did to keep things alive there, that was the story throughout the entirety of this game tonight. The Washington Wizards went to work on the offensive glass, 20 offensive rebounds, and they turned those into 20 second-chance points. It is an area the Bucks are typically not victimized in, and it is an area where we've seen a game where they were dominated and some big moments where they gave up some offensive boards in 48 hours. So that is something to file away. Now, no Chris Middleton tonight. We knew that was going to be the case. As we've heard from Mike Budenholzer, still no plan to insert Chris Middleton into the lineup on night two of a back-to-back in both games of that back-to-back. This isn't the are you worried about Chris Middleton conversation. I've already seen it. And I've digested quite enough of it, more than my share, everywhere that Bucks fans like to opine. So that's not what we're doing here. But you do look at this lineup, you do look at this team, and you see, okay, in terms of the regular season, I'm starting to feel a lot better about this team hanging on to that one seed in the East because of some of those moves and the depth that they currently have. Not to mention Grayson Allen or Grayson Allen, uh, Goran Dragic, who will be added into the mix relatively soon here. You saw him on the sidelines tonight, uh, did not get into the game. We knew that would be the plan tonight, but remains to be seen if he'll make his Bucks debut Tuesday in Orlando. Regular season depth and postseason depth are two separate things. We'll explain that in just a little bit, but things are really starting to trend upward for the Bucks, despite a very frustrating and frankly predictable loss last night at home to the 76ers. Old National Bank talk and text line 855-616-1620. And uh, we begin things on that uh, talk and text line. Let's hear from Ricky in Honey Creek. You kick off the show. Yes, um, another win here for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Giannis putting up a triple-double. He had three blocks. Very well on free throws that he did again. And uh, Javon Carter on the bench and hitting six three-pointers 
and uh, he did very well. Him and uh, Joe Ingles putting up most of the bench points for the Bucks, and then um, Jay Crowder not playing a whole lot. And so on Tuesday, when the Bucks are playing against the Magic, we'll see whether uh, the new acquisition Goran Dragic will play. And uh, watching the Celtics and Knicks game, hopefully the Celtics lose, and uh, the Bucks will keep winning and hopefully win the NBA Finals. Let's hope so. Thanks for the call, Ricky. And he mentioned uh, watching this Celtics Knicks game because it is still going on and it is just gone final. In double overtime, the New York Knicks beat the Celtics 131 129. Um, two games in the loss column that separate these two teams. Now, that's, that's not a lot. 17 games remain for the Celtics, 18 remain for the Bucks. But both these teams seem like they're starting to, or have, in the case of the Celtics, starting to, for the Bucks, hit their stride. Two games you feel pretty good about, especially with one game left in Milwaukee between these two teams. Disappointing, if we go back to last night, that you really had a chance to maybe pound the final nail in the coffin of the 76ers' chances to move up to at least second in the Eastern Conference. But nonetheless... You still have a comfortable lead over Philadelphia. It's now four and a half games, and you have a lead over the Boston Celtics now that is beyond just a half game at one and a half games and two in the loss column. Because again, the the Celtics lose to the Knicks in double overtime in Boston. So a back and forth game that goes the way of the Bucks. He did mention Jay Crowder. Ricky did, and I want to get to the minutes that we saw from Jay Crowder and the plan for uh, Jay Crowder. But again, Goran Dragic, it is official, is a member of the Bucks. We talked about this with Dick in Port Washington last night about why Goran Dragic would choose to come here when you would assume there are teams out there that would present larger opportunities in terms of their playing time. So what made that decision for Goran Dragic down to Milwaukee, and what is the role you can expect for Goran Dragic once we finally see him on the floor in a Bucks uniform? Going to wear number 31, by the way, is uh, Goran Dragic. So what can you expect to see from the newest member of the Bucks potentially as early as Tuesday? We'll talk about it after this on Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. A couple mid-range jumpers for Washington has the Wizards ahead by a pair. Pat Connaughton's going to try to give the Bucks their first lead, and he will as he deposits it from the top of the arc on a beautiful three-point. Another big night shooting the ball for the Bucks. Last night, one of those rarities where the opponent hit more three-pointers than they did. Only the third time that had happened since Christmas Day, but that's not the case tonight as the Bucks. Knocked down 22 threes, just eight from the Wizards. And look, when you're plus 39 in points from beyond the three-point line, you may say, well, how did this essentially go down to the wire? How is this a six-point game? Uh, Wizards did obliterate the Bucs in the paint, 58-28. to 28. A lot of that was because the Bucs scored 66 of their 117 on threes. So you look at it and you say, well, well, where was the difference made? Points in the paint were obviously part of that. 
but offensive rebounds, 20 of them that the that the Wizards turned into 20 second chance points. That is the area I am sure has already been circled and is the one thing that the Bucks will pay the most attention to before taking on the Orlando Magic Tuesday night in Orlando, the second and final game of this brief road trip. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank talking text line if you want to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Old National Bank, get old. So again, as we mentioned, Celtics lose in double overtime to the New York Knicks, and you do have to keep an eye on those Knicks because now, as much as we've talked about the Bucks trying to hold off the Celtics and get that one seed, I saw a report a day or so ago that I do put some validity to suggesting, you know, the Bucks really regret may be a strong word, but the, the Bucks had some second thoughts on not getting home court last year, not getting at least to the two line, potentially having home court advantage in a series against the Boston Celtics. Now, how much does having game seven in Milwaukee change things? Who knows? The Bucs won game one on the road. They won game five on the road. They lost game six, a closeout game. They lost game six at home. And prior to that, Bucks had never lost a closeout game where they had a chance to eliminate their opponent under Mike Budenholzer. I don't think home court advantage is what made the difference in that series last year. Obviously not having Chris Middleton is a big part of it. But if you're healthy this year, with the additions that the Bucks have made, home court advantage may well be a difference maker. And it, it does seem very clear the Bucks are playing to have home court advantage here. But if you do that, all of a sudden you got to pay a lot more attention to teams like the Knicks and the Cavaliers because that would be the winner of that series. Right now, that's your 4-5 series. You'd get that team in the second round. Now, I would much rather face the New York Knicks. They've won nine in a row. They look very, very good. I would much rather face the New York Knicks or the Cleveland Cavaliers, no disrespect to them, than I would the Celtics or the Sixers in the second round. But it is not going to be easy either way. It's not quite the gauntlet that the Eastern Conference playoffs looked like two months ago, but it's still not going to be easy for the Bucs. 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. And here's the other thing. Not only would you avoid having to play either the Celtics or the 76ers in the second round. But if you drop to third, and there is still a chance that could happen, four games in the loss column separating the Bucks and the Sixers, you can't win the season series in tiebreaker. Last night's loss guaranteed that. You can split the season series. But if Philadelphia wins that final game between these two teams in Milwaukee on April 2nd, And if they erase that four-game margin prior to that, all of a sudden the Sixers vault past the Bucs. Then you would have to concern yourself with a team like the Brooklyn Nets. And I know the Bucs beat them last week. You'll see them again on Thursday. That's not going to be a fun team to play in a postseason series. I would take the Bucs, the Celtics, or the Sixers to beat the Nets in a first-round series, but it's still not going to be a fun series. It is a team that's athletic. They're full of 3-and-D players, and Mikhail Bridges has really started to come into his own. Another 30-point game tonight. Fourth time he's done that since joining the Brooklyn Nets. So 
That's not going to be a fun matchup. You would much rather get the Wizards, the Hawks, the Heat, the Raptors. It does seem as though Miami, Atlanta, Toronto, and Washington, it seems like those are going to be the four teams in the play-in tournament. We're just waiting to see what the order is going to be. And if you finish first, you got to wait a little bit longer to see who your matchup is. The refresher, the play-in tournament works as this. Seven plays eight. So that would be right now Miami and Atlanta. The winner of that game is the seventh seed. So let's say the Miami Heat win. Miami Heat are your seventh seed. Right now that means they'd play the Boston Celtics in the first round. Nine plays ten. So the Raptors and Wizards. Let's say the Raptors win. The Raptors would then play the Hawks, who lost that 7-8 matchup. The winner of Raptors-Hawks gets the 8 seed. So you got to wait all the way until the end of the play-in tournament to see who you are playing if you're the Bucks. But again, it, it feels like those are the four teams that are going to be there. As Brooklyn right now has three games separating them and the Heat in the loss column in that 6-7 separation. And the Wizards are two games in front of the Pacers and the Bulls in that 10 11 12 separation. Uh, let's go back out to the phone lines and talk with Pete in Franklin. You're up next. Good evening. Can you hear me okay? I got you. So, hey, good, uh, good win for the Bucks tonight. Actually, I'm in the car listening to the Knicks and the Celtics and could not get the Knicks to the finish line until double OT, but uh, good for the Bucks. Uh, just called in general a couple things. One, this Bucks is the. Uh, sorry for you if you already said this. This team's as deep as I've seen in the last 20, 25 years. This team's deeper than they were two years ago, easily. Uh, and if you're not watching this team right now, if you like the Bucks at all, you got to watch this team. This team is something. Uh, the other thing I got too is that, you know, last year Dragic, uh, you know, gave us the old, I'm going to pick which team I want to be on. I'm not sure if it's the Nets or the Bucks. They chose the Nets, and I'm like, you know what? Go. We don't want you. So I'm just curious, like, where, where do you think his minutes are going to be coming from? Because right now they got a rotation of 10, and even with Middleton kind of resting when Chris is back, where does Dragic get his minutes from? What's the urgency to sign Dragic? I don't, I don't understand it, but just thought I'd ask you what you thought. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call, Pete. And the other thing, too, is um, you mentioned Dragic. The Bucks were linked to him last year. It did kind of seem like, from the onset, he was pretty intent on playing for the Brooklyn Nets. But if you recall, and I'm sure most Bucks fans do, Goran Dragic going to the Brooklyn Nets paved the way for Javon Carter to flourish in Milwaukee as the Nets needed to lose a player to sign Goran Dragic. And for whatever reason, when you look at some of the players that were on the roster a season ago that are no longer there, some of the younger players... The Brooklyn Nets opted to release Javon Carter, and the Bucks immediately scooped him up. So the Nets' loss became the Bucks' gain. I mean, you, you think of guys like David Duke Jr. You could have easily waived Kessler Edwards, uh, what he had done for that team. A handful of these young guys that just never flourished and are now gone. And it landed Javon Carter on the Bucks. So in terms of the role for Goran Dragic, I'll be frank, I was very surprised that Goran Dragic would choose to sign with the Bucks for the reason that Pete and a few others have pointed out. It's a very deep Bucks team right now. And we do need to clarify, there is a big difference between 
postseason depth and regular season depth. The old 16 versus 82 adage, uh, you still want regular season depth, especially when you're trying to hold off teams like the Celtics and potentially uh, like the Philadelphia 76ers, so you can hang on to that one seed. So you still need some help. You still need some reinforcements to help you hang on to that. But for a guy like Goran Dragic, it's as simple as this. You need as much depth. You need as much shot creators, shot makers as you can get. And I am not trying to suggest Goran Dragic is an all-star caliber shot creator or shot maker. But Goran Dragic is a player that can handle the basketball. He is a point guard. He is a true point guard. He has run offenses on teams in the postseason and teams that have gone deep in the postseason. Javon Carter appeared or or played on a team that reached the NBA Finals in the Phoenix Suns. Javon Carter was on a Bucs team that reached the second round of the playoffs last year, right? Javon Carter did not receive heavy playing time there. And I know that was a point of contention for a lot of Bucs fans, but here's the reality. Javon Carter has 18 career postseason games. 11 of those came last year. And look, it's like the experience thing that you hear going into the job market. The only way to get experience and is, well, we, we want you to have experience doing this. Well, the only way to get that is to actually get experience. Give me this job. So the only way to get postseason experience is to play him there. But you still don't know. Javon Carter's still a smaller guy. Javon Carter is a guy that you think about Boston. We've said all along this season, everything you do in terms of personnel should be with the guise of how does this help us against the Boston Celtics. All season long, that's felt like your collision course. That's who you're going to face, whether it's the conference finals, hopefully not the second round. You're going to have to go through Boston. So everything we do, all these personnel moves, how does this help us against the Boston Celtics? What did you miss last year of the postseason in that series against the Celtics? You missed a guy that could create a shot, that could make a shot, that could handle the basketball. And again, no Chris Middleton, that changes a lot. It changed what you asked a guy like Grayson Allen to do and Wesley Matthews. You just want to have more guys capable of doing that. I don't think there was any promise or guarantee of your role is going to be this and you're going to get X amount of minutes and we're going to play you here. A move like this to me, and, and why I say I was surprised that Goran Dragic chose to come here, was because I would assume there's opportunities elsewhere where he's going to get heavy minutes. And look, if you've seen him this year with the Bulls, Goran Dragic is clearly not the guy he was in the bubble with the Miami Heat three years ago already. No one is suggesting that. But it does seem like there are teams that needed more in the backcourt that had a much more pressing need where Goran Dragic could have gotten a larger role. This seems to indicate this may be it, and he's trying to get one ring here on his way out. But think back to, and Pete brought this up, think back to the team two years ago, the team that finally broke through and won the NBA championship. We talk so much about P.J. Tucker and how P.J. Tucker changed things. He allowed you to play differently. He gave you that physicality and that toughness that Giannis talked about this team really missed. Hence why they went out and acquired Jay Crowder. But also, he allowed you to play with Giannis at the five, and he was a guy that could protect him a little bit, and it could switch. 
we remember that. And rightfully so. It was a big reason why you won a championship. Giannis was the biggest reason. Drew Holiday was another big reason. Chris Middleton, by the way, was a huge reason. But P.J. Tucker was a big reason why. We kind of forget the lack of depth that team had. And I, I just saw this a couple of a days ago, too, where you know, Bucks fans were complaining. Oh, Bud, why, why does Bud do this? Classic Bud. Here's Bud. Bud at it again. Remember when Bud played... Uh, this rotation. Remember when Bud played Jeff Teague in the finals and in the conference finals? And you say, yeah, I do recall that. That is kind of weird. But then you go back and you look. Wait a minute. That team that won the title was seven deep. You had your starters. You had Bobby Portis. And you had Pat Connaughton. That was it. Bud played Jeff Teague because Bud had no other options. Like we've said all along, not every single one of these guys is going to play in the postseason. They're certainly not going to play heavy minutes. Some of these guys might not play at all. You're not going to be 11 or 12 deep in the playoffs. You're going to be eight. But you'd like to have options, and that's why they bring in Goran Dragic. It's not... uh, we got to play this guy because we got nobody else. Now Goran Dragic just gives you another option. And what's most important, no matter how far removed he is from an appearance in the finals, no matter how old he is, no matter how much he may not look like himself from the last couple of years, Goran Dragic is a little bigger than Javon Carter, has a little more size. And Goran Dragic is a guy where we talked about Javon Carter playing in 18 career playoff games. Goran Dragic has 60 of them. Goran Dragic, just eight in the last two years, but reached the NBA Finals three years ago, had deep playoff runs his first year in the league with the Suns, his first year in Miami, and of course all the international play that Goran Dragic has had the experience there. So he's a guy that has that experience in those big moments, and that's something you can't replicate. You've you've either been in those spots or you haven't. He's been there, and you're not asking him to be your number one guy. 855-616-1670. 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank talking text line. Uh, what remains to be seen. Will we see Goran Dragic on the floor Tuesday night in Orlando? The other thing that's come up is Jay Crowder, and I've seen a little bit of uh, concern, maybe a bit much, but some questioning about some of the minutes we've seen in these last two games. We'll dive into that discussion next on Bucks Talk. Round ball repartee returns. This is Bucks Talk. And the Bucks go the other way, leading by nine. Handoff from Ingles to Giannis goes galloping down the lane and lays it in with a finger roll of a foul. Giannis will get a chance at his first three-point play of the night. Well, Giannis, not a whole lot of damage. On plays like that, most of it was at the free throw line where he hit 11 of his 15 attempts in this game and kind of snuck up on all of us but gets a triple-double in the win over the Wizards. 23 points, 13 assists, 10 rebounds, three blocked shots tonight for Giannis, securing yet another triple-double and uh, helping the Bucs pick up this win tonight in D.C. Seven assists and four rebounds in the fourth quarter tonight for Giannis. Six points, seven assists, 
four rebounds. So going into the fourth, he had six rebounds, six assists, 16 points. And he gets to the triple-double with the work that he does in those final 12 minutes. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank. Talk and text line, Old National Bank, get old. Um, so one thing that does stand out is Jay Crowder tonight. When you look at um, his game log, played 14 and a half minutes. And if we look at, at Jay Crowder since he's joined this team, Played 16 minutes, almost 16 on the dot. His first game in a Bucks uniform, their first game out of the All-Star break, against the Miami Heat. Against the Phoenix Suns, two days later, he played 24 and a half minutes. Now, let's keep in mind, it had been uh, nine months since Jay Crowder played in a competitive basketball game. And as he detailed in other interviews he has given, he's done quite a bit, and it's evident, to keep himself in shape. But there's no replicating playing in games. He didn't play in any scrimmages, any open courts, because he didn't want to risk an injury. So he he said, look, I just worked out, and I did it so hard. I worked out until I threw up. That's how I kept myself in shape. Played 24 and a half minutes against the Miami Heat in the second game in a Bucks uniform. I truly believe, or excuse me, against the Phoenix Suns. When you see the Bucks All Access video, when you, you hear some of the things that Jay Crowder has said by not saying in interviews he's given, I mentioned this as well. Before the game, when we talked with uh, Monty Williams, before that game against the Suns, you go back two days prior when we talked with Eric Spolstra and Jay Crowder was mentioned. The reaction, the wording, the inflection, the body language, the vibes from Monty Williams versus Eric Spolstra, night and day differences when talking about Jay Crowder. Eric Spolstra, love the guy. He was one of us. I wish he was here. I wish he stayed in the Western Conference. He's a great fit. He can fit anywhere. He hits big shots. He's a great team guy. We love him. He was one of us. I know he'll do well. Monty Williams. Yeah, Jay Crowder's versatile. He can defend. He can hit shots. We'll see how it works out, was his quote. You see all that. You see the the all-access video. I I truly believe the 24 and a half minutes you saw Jay Crowder play, in real time we thought, man, this is is a lot of Jay Crowder out here. I like what I'm seeing. He looked good. This seems like they're playing him a lot. I think that was a, all right, Jay, all right. We know this is special to you. We know you want to beat the Suns. We'll play you a lot because he went from that 15 and a half against the Nets. I know it was a blowout 15 and a half minutes against the Nets. Same with the magic played 20 minutes. That was getting out of reach. You played Jay Crowder with some unconventional groupings down the stretch. A lot of those minutes came in the second half against Philadelphia, just under 13 minutes. You start to scratch your head a bit tonight. As we mentioned, Jay Crowder, 14 and a half minutes. So there's been a lot of what, why aren't you playing Jay Crowder more? He needs to be closing. I don't disagree. I think we've seen enough to know Jay Crowder is going to be in your closing lineup in the postseason. Let's also not lose sight of the fact that this is how this team does things. They are going to be cautious. They are going to use this as an on-ramp to get onto that highway that is postseason readiness. Let's look back at the guy everybody wants to compare Jay Crowder to, P.J. Tucker. 
when the Bucks acquired P.J. Tucker. Look at the minutes that he played for them. His first game with the Bucks, 12 minutes. Second game, 12 minutes. Third game, then it went up to about 19 minutes. And then he suffered that calf issue. So he missed a couple of weeks. When he comes back, 10 minutes, 16 minutes. Then it started to tick upward, 21, 21, 22. And before you knew it, it's at 25 and 30 minutes. It took, all told, P.J. Tucker's first game in a Bucks uniform, March 20th. It wasn't until, and again, there's some missed time in there, but it wasn't until April 30th that P.J. Tucker was logging 30 minutes and consistently hitting 20 to 25 minutes a game. That's just how this team chooses to do things. And again, it is tough to argue with when you saw your season derailed last year due to an injury to Chris Middleton. So I get, man, it would have been great to have Jay Crowder closing things out last night. I don't disagree with that. Or to even say, well, why, why didn't you play him 25 minutes last night and maybe give him the night off tonight? Because this is part of the on-ramp. This is part of the process of how they're going to get him ready. We'll give him some minutes, around 15 or so in each of these two games. And I truly believe within the next four games or so, that's when you're going to see the minutes start to pick up. And to P.J. Tucker, P.J. Tucker, I did it now. Jay Crowder used with some of those closing groups, basically the Phoenix Suns game. How they used him there, that's going to start to become the norm here in about a week or so is the vibe that I'm getting. 855-616-1620. The old National Bank talking text line. Uh, we'll revisit the NBA scoreboard, including the biggest score of the night, what that means for the standings, and preview Tuesday night in Orlando after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Here's a lob pass down low to Giannis. He manages to gather it before he feeds out to Connaughton, and Connaughton this time, calm, cool, and collected, gathers himself and drills the three-pointer from the right wing. All right, it's good to see Pat Connaughton hitting shots because we do this thing where we jump to conclusions, good or bad. 16-game win streak. It was, this team is so deep. And again, they are a deep team, but this team is so deep. The depth is great. Uh, the offense is starting to come along. I know I talked about that. The defense. First by a wide margin in defensive rating. The Bucks are the clear title favorites. Like we jump to those conclusions, and then you lose a game. Despite 16 straight wins, you lose a game to a good team by three points. And it's well, here this, 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 this flaw, this flaw. They got to fix this. They got to fix this. I'm concerned about this. It's not major concerns, but there are some things that that you do need to see tick upward. Pat Connaughton's jump shot is one of those. That's what makes him so lethal. He has some defensive versatility, and again, it's not going to always work depending on your opponent. You were able to play him as a small ball four in your run to the title, but a lot of that had to do with the groupings around him. The way Chris Middleton was playing, you need him to get back to his, his self of old. Giannis was at another level and, and has been at that level the last couple of years. P.J. Tucker, how he helped you out there. So the groupings alongside him changed some of that, but you also you need to see that shot start to consistently fall for Pat Connaughton. And tonight, 
two three-pointers, right? Two of seven from the outside. He's starting to piece together some of these types of performances, of a three for seven or a two for seven, a four for nine. Starting to get a little bit more of that in the last handful of games here, but you'd like to see that a little more consistently. The big thing is you just need to see, and this is not a criticism of how they've handled it, see the conversation we just had at Jay Crowder, but the big thing is going to be once the training wheels come off for Chris Middleton. Because again, not having him last year changed everything. Once you have him and he's good to go, that's going to change a lot of things. But, you know, Pat tonight, multiple threes. Three of eight against the Magic. He's had this stretch where it looked like he was starting to come out of things really right around that game on the road in Cleveland, right before this win streak started, is when it seemed like he was starting to come out of this shooting funk. And then it started to torpedo a little bit. So you just want to see the nose come up a little bit and some more consistent shooting from uh, Pat Connaughton. But the good news, you're still able to win this game. Frustrating or not, you won. And not only that, the Boston Celtics lost in double overtime. So you are a game and a half in front of those Celtics. And now you get the night off tomorrow. And there's some interesting matchups in the Eastern Conference. So when we look at the standings, again, a game and a half up on the Celtics, or a game up on the Celtics, game and a half up on the Celtics. What do I say it here? Um, you are four and a half up on the Sixers. And tomorrow, the Heat and the Hawks, two teams right now that are vying four, seven, eight in the Eastern Conference. That's That may, in fact, be your 7-8 matchup in that playing tournament. They play each other. The winner of that game right now would be who you play in the first round. Or, excuse me, would be who the Celtics play in the first round. The loser you would see, potentially, if they beat the winner of the 9-10 game. Um, the Celtics, double overtime game tonight for the Boston Celtics. They were playing to win that game. And this isn't a, oh, time to worry about the Celtics, right? We just went through this conversation with the Bucks. But the Celtics played to win. Night, night one of a back-to-back. Jalen Brown played 47 minutes. Jason Tatum played 49. Al Horford played 46 minutes. Marcus Smart played 39. Grant Williams played 45. The Knicks were down a starter in this game. Isaiah quickly had a big game. They didn't have Jalen Brunson. When we say down a starter, not just down a starter, down their best player. And the Knicks win this game in double overtime on the road. So the Celtics have a back-to-back tomorrow. Given those heavy minutes totals we just said, it is going to be very interesting to see what the Celtics look like tomorrow. And not only that, it is a road game in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, a Cavaliers team, as we mentioned, that needs to win. The New York Knicks are right behind them, picking up steam. The Knicks are just a game back of the Cavs for fourth in the Eastern Conference. That's who's waiting for the Celtics tomorrow. And, oh, by the way, the 76ers play. Now, that's a a little bit of an easier draw. They have the Indiana Pacers, but the Pacers, you can't rule them out of the playing tournament. they got to keep winning, and they want to get there. But that Celtics game tonight, 
the way they lost, you could tell they wanted to win that game. And usually that means, well, night two, when you play like that, you know, well, we're going all out tonight. We better win because tomorrow we're going to be down a couple of guys. So keep an eye on that in a big matchup tomorrow between the Celtics and the Cavaliers. And again, heavy minutes for the Celtics, 49, 47, 46, 45, 46 from Al Horford. I'm assuming Al Horford is not playing tomorrow. 49 from Jason Tatum. So this could be an opportunity, despite the disappointing result on Saturday night. This could be an opportunity to start to pad that lead if you're the Bucks, We'll wrap up the show after this and uh, preview that matchup with the Magic on Bucks Talk. Welcome back to Bucks Talk. Ain't no way they can stop me now. Allen's going to back his way out with 134 to play now. Bucks by two with the ball. Giannis trying to drive the baseline. Flings it out to Ingles. Passes to Holiday. Now to Allen. A head fake. Open three. Bullseye. Grayson Allen with a big fourth quarter tonight. Scoring all 11 points in that fourth. And as we mentioned, you go back to last night. I know you lost the game, but last night, Grayson Allen with a 20-point fourth quarter. So all of his points last night, or in third quarter, all of his points last night came in the third. All of his points tonight came in the fourth quarter, and the Bucks bounce back from that loss and take down the uh, Washington Wizards. Almost hit Boston Celtics. Got Boston Celtics on the mind after the Celtics do the Bucks a favor, losing at home in double overtime to the New York Knicks in night one of a back-to-back. So, one year ago today, the Bucks were 39-25, and 25, fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They would get to second, and that was as close as they would get. They were in second place all the way until the second-to-last day of the regular season. On the final day of the regular season, the Boston Celtics, due to some of that posturing and positioning, the Celtics would get up to two, and the Bucks would drop down to three, but that's how close things were last year. Miami had a decent lead where we felt like, okay, Miami's going to be the one seed, and this really dated back to March 28th. You saw some back and forth mid to late March, where there was three consecutive days where it just traded hands, four consecutive for that matter. The Heat were in first place March 25th, then the Sixers on the 26th, the Celtics on the 27th, the Heat reclaimed it on the 28th, and they would lead from that point forward. It does kind of feel like that's what we're setting up for. Knock on wood, if the Bucks can continue to take care of business against some of these teams... You've got a pretty good opportunity here in front of you. You can't automatically assume the Celtics are going to lose tomorrow. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to see who is available or who is not available for the Celtics in that game tomorrow against the Cleveland Cavaliers. On the road, I'm all but willing to guarantee Al Horford's not going to play in that game. Al Horford was big tonight. So you get some help there. You're two games up in the East. You got the Magic on Tuesday and a chance to take care of business there and keep padding that lead. 
But most importantly, you got to take care of business in the two games you have left against the Celtics and the Sixers. The good news for the Bucks, they are the only team that both of those they have at home against those two teams. They play uh, the Celtics and the Sixers once more. Celtics play the Sixers and the Bucks once more and vice versa. But the Bucks, the only team that have both of those at home. My thanks, everybody, for tuning in and interacting with us and Evan Vitalison for producing the show. Talk to you Tuesday night with more Bucks talk.